Welcome to the Inside Out Money Podcast. Can't even recognize this place. Too many pieces of our past mistakes. Hi, I'm Maggie, and I believe real change starts from the inside out. So let's work together to improve our money and our lives from the inside out. We will explore all things money and our relationship with it. Join me each week with a rotating set of co-hosts, friends, and interviews. Let's jump in. Okay. Say check one more time. Like say something in the mic. Check. Check. Okay. Siblings. Siblings. Got it. I'm so, trying to you tell you something about my life. My life. My life. Uh, inside uh, black and white. Nailed it. Got it. Yeah. I got most of the words. You got one of the words. You got <laughs> Two, black, got and, black white. and white. You got, got black, black and white. white. I got something about my life. We should start all of our podcasts with a little Indigo Girls jam out session, you know? Not that one. You got to learn the words first. <laughs> I know the words. When the song's playing, they kind of come to me, you know, or I can just muffle through it. But you caught me there. You stop. I thought you were going to keep singing and then that would give me what I needed. But you stopped singing. So mm-hmm. that's not knowing the words. That's just watching someone's mouth and then trying to repeat what they're saying in synchronicity. No, I like know them well enough to like, you know, they come back so quick, like muscle memory. Speaking of Indigo Girls. Okay. Hey, Erica. Hey, Maggie. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Happy 2024. Yeah, this is your first uh, 2024 podcast. Yeah, it's not um, my first. I've been like through this 2024 podcasting rodeo like at least two times. Third time's the charm. Well, I'm impressed because it still feels like we just hit midnight and I'm not ready for the new year. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Inside Out Money. This is a personal finance podcast focused on redefining wealth from the inside out. Each week, I speak with a rotating set of co-hosts about a different financial topic to help you improve your financial mindset and tactics. Today, we have Erica, as you just heard. And in this episode, we are going to talk about conscious consumerism. Conscious consume. What are we calling this? We're calling it conscious consumerism, conscientious consumerism, just the types of the various words that make you think while buying things. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that, what it is, how we want to be doing more of it personally, how we do it today. And I think this is going to be a good discussion. This is something I know, Erica, something we both have in common in terms of an interest area, but this is also a topic you have been wanting to do for a while. So I'm excited to make that happen. Yeah, thanks for being open to this topic. I'm excited to talk about this because you and I have talked about values-based investing in the past. And I think that conscious consumerism can be the, you know, distant cousin to values-based investing (laughs) and how we spend our money versus, you know, with how we invest our money. And I'm sure a lot of us think about how we spend our money, but how much of us are really kind of doing the research into where that's going and whether it's good for our budgets, you know, good for what we talk about 
about in terms of like how much stuff do we need? What is enough? All the topics that you and I have discussed. So this kind of fits into the holistic overarching topics of our kind of mindfulness around our spending and our consumerism. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I think even when we were having the values-based investing discussion, that is a much, I don't want to say like larger discussion, but heavier discussion to have in the sense of making the decision to do that can potentially take you out of being able to take part in the overall returns of the economy that we live in. And that's a tougher decision in many ways. And that's like saying, I mean, in some ways it's like saying, you know, I I'm, I couldn't have the job I had over the last, the jobs I had over the last 20 years of like, I'm not willing to take money from certain companies. And by the way, I very much respected the companies I worked for, to be clear. But did I think they were changing the world and you know, investing in every single cause that I think is important? No. And so I do think conscious consumerism is something that is a little bit more approachable and palatable for everybody because it's something that you can do like every single day. So so you just mentioned like mindfulness, Erica. I know Greg and I talked a lot about that even just in the first Inside Out Money episode of 2024, which was episode 38. And just being about like intentional and thoughtful about spending decisions. And, and you know, the word conscious is another way of saying that. Erica, I think it would be helpful to give a formal definition of conscious consumerism for people. Yes, I agree. Conscious consumerism is the practice of mindfully and intentionally buying and using products as a statement of values. The opposite of conscious consumerism is mindless consumption. So one thing that's really interesting is that we often hear the terms mindless consumption, you know, like, oh, um, in terms of just mindless anything, mindlessly eating, yeah. mindlessly consuming products, goods, media, foods, snacks, media, whatever, yeah, media, doom scrolling, that, that all plays in there. But there isn't as much of a focus until I feel more recently on the conscientious and conscious part of this type of area for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're looking into. I mean, we hear about the mindless part, but there hasn't been the flip side of it until more recently, or maybe it's just I'm tuning into it more. Yeah, I think, you know, we talk a lot about like intentional spending. And I think there's just there's a lot of different words you can use for it. But I, I like how in that definition, it references the opposite, which is mindless consumption. And yeah, I think for me, the idea of conscious consumerism has this like, I don't know, trifecta of value. It makes me feel good. It's good for the world and it can save me money, which we'll get into, right? This this can if you if you retrain your mind to think this way, it can have a very very positive impact on your budget and on your expenses and help you to have more mindful spending. Yeah, I mean, I think having that trifecta of value is really important in this because a lot of times it's how we feel in how we're spending things. You know, we've talked about the dopamine hits that you get from buying a new product. And then sometimes it can be the opposite again of like, you get that dopamine hit, but say it wears off within a day or two. And then you have this regret, this buyer's remorse around why did I spend my money on this, especially if it's money you don't have. And so we can feel like we don't have control over our spending or over ourselves and how we do these things. We've talked about Edward Bernays and how he invented modern day PR and just marketing to the masses to get us to buy things. And it's still the case, you know, it goes to when a country is in a recession, like presidents 
after the Great Depression, the president was like, buy everything, support the economy. Even after 9-11, George Bush was saying the best thing you can do with your money is to get out and to support the economy. Well, because that's good for a president's bottom line. It helps with his reelection. It doesn't help with people who don't have tons of money to spend just to boost the economy when the economy is potentially not doing much for these people in the workforce. You know, so it comes in a way where you have to think what works for you. Don't think about what you're being told, what works for you. And it's another way of like, we just don't have a lot of control. It feels like we don't have a lot of control over things. And sometimes how we spend our money can be that form of control. You know, your money is your voice. It's how you, where you put it. Where you put your money matters. Yeah, I, I, Erica, I love that concept of control. I hadn't really thought about it, but I am a person who... <sighs> I mean, I think it's fair to say I have some control issues and I... Yeah, let's unpack this. <laughs> the video is a little delayed, so I couldn't tell your facial response to that, which was probably a good thing. But yeah, I've got some some control issues. We don't have enough time to unpack all of those in this episode, unfortunately. Sorry, folks. But I love I love the concept of reframing things. It is a very successful strategy to change your mindset and change your behavior and your habits. And... I like reframing it around like this is something you can control. You have a lot of control about where you spend your money. Not always. I mean, there might be like, I don't think there's another electrical company I can use in Georgia. I mean, I guess I could, you know, invest in solar panels and kind of go off grid. I have a couple of gas companies. There's some commodities where like, I don't have a lot of choices, but like 90% of the money I spend, I have a lot of control over. I control what clothing I wear, what car I drive, what crap I buy from Amazon, what I buy from Target. You know what I mean like I, I can what food I put into my body like I control a lot I really do like positioning it around this is a way that I can use my money to exert control and not control sometimes like has a bad connotation to that word but control over a world that I don't have control over right it's like one of the things I can control yeah I think if you we want to use a synonym of the word control in this context of conscious consumerism we can say agency you have agency mm. over where you put your money and you know like you said about the world we're living in it feels very helpless and a lot of what came up for me especially during the pandemic when we were in lockdown and just it felt like the world was crumbling around us society was crumbling it was about to be one of the biggest maybe the biggest election of our lifetime so far you know a lot of my money went to different nonprofit, different political campaigns things where I felt like I there is literally nothing I can do right now I am stuck in my home and not spending money so this is where I can spend money and turns out like that wasn't the best use of money you know losing campaign is kind of a bummer where you're like well what did I just spend money on you know you get no value out of that but now there are ways that like I will say the time after the pandemic, a lot of companies did kind of open themselves up to we also need to do better. I think a lot of the collective voice got in there not to get like too. this is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about politics and, and how that ties in with consumerism. But the collective voice can make a change in terms of how people adjust their policies, how they focus themselves outwardly, and which is another way that we as consumers need to be conscientious of, is this just a check the box exercise by a company or a corporation to say, yeah, sure, we're doing these things that make you yeah. guys happy because that's what you're saying you want to hear. 
And you you can tell there are ways that you can tell you can look up on different websites. There's there's one that I often go to if I'm looking at a company called OpenSecrets.org. And you can see hmm. if you look up a company, you can see over a certain dollar amount, they have to report what they've spent. Any person does too. You can look up what campaigns or what political organizations companies have donated to. And it's very interesting to see like, oh, they say we support these people and these these missions and they're donating to or these causes and then they're donating to politicians who are staunchly against those causes. This website is fascinating, Erica. Yeah, it's one of my faves. I will say on this topic, you're going to like, I'm going to get distracted now and go down a rabbit hole on open secrets. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, one of the one of my overall thoughts on this topic is that it's something I very much believe in and want to do better at and care about and would say I, I already think I'm a conscious consumer, but I could be way better, right? Kind of like minimalism, like I strive to be a minimalist. I'm not really a minimalist by definition, right? If I really look at like where all my dollars go like am I a conscious consumer I don't I don't know I again I'm, I'm a aspiring conscious consumer I guess you could say but this is hard and one of the ways in which it's hard is that it's like overwhelming and so even having a, a site like open secrets to go look at certain companies and say hey this company's like positioning themselves as all these things is it real and or this company is not saying anything and like what is behind you know what are they doing it's just very interesting to be able to have a resource like that to go to but this is admittedly just very complicated right there are, i'm personally striving for you know progress over perfection because there are places i can do research there are also just times when eventually i'm like what's left that actually is good in this world right i think i erica when we were prepping for this told you about a chocolate app that I learned about during a vegan conference many years ago. And I was like, look, I'm already vegan. I feel like I'm doing pretty good with like what I consume in this world and what I put into my body. And there was a speaker that was talking about like ethical chocolate consumption. And she referenced this app. And I can't even tell you what the app is. I had to take it off my phone. I don't remember. This was like four years ago. And I started, you can like scan chocolates. And I was like in the aisle at Whole Foods. And it's like all the chocolates that are like super, I don't know, they certainly position themselves as like ethical chocolate chocolate I would say they have all sorts of little stamps on the front and they seem real I don't know they're sold at Whole Foods everything was like bad I was and I literally was like joking to Greg at the time I was like what is left that I can eat in this world I can't even have a piece of chocolate that I can easily purchase at a local store and I, I just my answer to that is like progress over perfection like uh, my answer to that was I deleted the chocolate app and I just like do my best but I you know it, it can be overwhelming so I think just my guidance to people is try try do your best with what works into your life and your lifestyle and your in your decisions and how you feel like be as conscious as you can of a consumer but don't beat yourself up and strive for perfection because I'm not sure perfection is possible in the current world we live in yeah I think that's a really good point Maggie like it's so easy to fall in this trap of just like I just have to keep doing better and better and then you keep feeling worse and worse because there's no end to this and so if we go back to the definition of conscious consumerism it says you know buy and use products as a statement of your values. So if you can divide, if you can, excuse me, if you can define what your values are, and you have like a, you know, pretty, pretty narrow definition of that, and you can apply it, you can look at open secrets, it, it kind of does the work for you. But don't wear yourself down with this, you know, define what like your priority values are and kind of focus on that, you know, like, well, this company doesn't support that I'm not going to shop there. 
Well, that's easy. Done. Find the ones that do. Or if you're shopping at a store that maybe isn't the best, find the better options for you that do align with your values of brands that you know that are a little better, that have probably better qualities or things like that. And again, this can all sound very preachy, very judgy. That's not what I'm going for. I don't think that's what you're going for at all. I mean, like we're talking about trying to do better. All of this is like trying to help us at the end of the day, end up with better quality products and more money in our wallet at the end of the day. And it can be a lot, but you just have to kind of take it in small bits and pieces. Yeah, just so you, you're you just not like worn down by the, it's never ending. Yeah, I, I think you want to do your best. Like, for example, you know, one thing you can do is to shop more locally and shop with smaller companies. It's not always going to guarantee that that is a you know, quote, like, look, it's it's kind of like defining your values because I was going to say like a better decision. But to, to, to reinforce what you said about not trying to sound judgy, Erica, the better is different for everyone, right? Like I care and I'm worried a lot about our environment. And so that's something that is often in my mind when I'm thinking about where I spend my money and, you know, why we own an EV. One of the many reasons I control the temperature in our house. It's not about money. I'm saving like $10 a year keeping it as cold as I do. It's, a, it's the energy consumption that I'm trying not to constantly be using up resources that we have limited amounts of and that create a lot of bad things for the environment. And so my point was more worry about what you want to worry about, right? This is going to be different. The, the conscious part will be different. What is conscious to Erica and I that, that are, you know, two fairly like-minded people might be very different to you. I say you as in whoever's listening, right? And so we're we're less making the point of of what you need to be conscious about and more saying just be more intentional and know where your money is going and often shopping locally can do a lot to like support your local community and neighborhood and, and put more back into the local economy around you and you know buying from local farmers markets it's first off like a lovely experience to like meet the person who grew the food and that you know you're supporting but also just all of the things that come from buying produce locally which is so much I mean it's not you're not using transportation there's like there's just a million different benefits or not a million but many many different benefits to uh, shopping locally yeah and I mean all of this is to say if it is not economically feasible for you to go to a farmer's market every weekend which can sometimes like be portrayed or come off as just like very bougie like privileged privilege a privileged way of shopping then don't do that do what works for you i mean again yeah. it's it's coming around to do what works for you do what works better for your budget your finances but i will go in the summer we have i live in oregon there are a lot of a ton of farmers markets because we're surrounded by farmland it's very lucky out here and i'll go and strictly buy from farmers markets at the summer be, the at, during the summer because it is, it is significantly cheaper than the grocery store and i know it's local I'm getting quality pro produce and it's just a non-starter. You know, the same people are there every week. So, you know, you're getting you know, you're getting what's in season. That being said, like there is a local grocery store chain here. It's just local to Portland and they also have high quality products. It is insanely expensive. It is not something I can afford to shop at on a weekly basis. I have friends who do yeah. it. It's great. But they're like, I just I just don't want to go to the big chain grocery stores. And I'm like, ah, I'll just go to the big chain grocery stores, but find like the organic options and cross 
cross my fingers that it's truly organic and not just a label that says so because it met minimum requirements. Yeah, that is a great point, Erica. Just that, just to be quite frank, shopping consciously can often feel like it's more expensive. And, and it is in many ways. But what I would say is part of this is consuming less. And I think it's, it's, we've talked about this a lot, you and I, Erica, it is quality over quantity. And I agree, like, I wouldn't go to that place that had like, you know, really, really, you know, cost prohibitively, like expensive produce. I buy my produce from Sam's Club, just to be very transparent, right? It's good quality. It's an amazing price. And we go through a lot in our house. And, and look, I should, I could caveat what good quality means, but it tastes good. Another thing, in addition to thinking about quality over quantity and just consuming less as a way to sort of not make this as cost prohibitive, is also buying secondhand. There, there's so many benefits to when you need something, trying to get it used before you buy a new product. Again, there's so much that goes into a new product in terms of the transportation that got it there, the impact on the environment of that, the packaging, just everything, how that other stuff is going to get disposed of. And so you got to think about like the full life cycle of a product. And there's just so many benefits. Their buy nothing groups are great for this. Sometimes you can get secondhand stuff for free. Going to a local thrift shop using, there's a lot of like parenting Facebook groups where people are selling really nice stuff secondhand from clothing to appliances for your kitchen. And I think that's a great way to still be able to be a conscious consumer, but not make things more expensive. Yeah, your point about not buying more than you need is a really good one. And it's actually something that is included in the Conscious Economy Manifesto at the end of this book called Saved by Ben Hewitt that I read earlier this year. And I mean, that is like true minimalism, true, like it's pretty anti-capitalist, but it's it's a really interesting read and in how it talks about like saving resources for others. So by not buying more than you need, A, saving money for your wallet, and you're also leaving things for others. So I always, you know, go back to the example of the pandemic where everyone just went nuts buying toilet paper and no one else could find it's like well how much person mm-hmm. how much toilet paper does one person truly need and it gets into this like scarcity mindset and if we think of it you know again like reframing instead of scarcity abundance like this is actually more than enough you know it, it again it goes back to like us talking about what is enough well here's a good deal so i need like five jars of mayonnaise which is a true example because we do apparently go through <laughs> a lot of mayonnaise in this house did i need five jars of mayonnaise no that was me being marketed to and falling for it and towards the mayonnaise and coming home with those jars anyway at one point when you said man like the man i thought you were like you know like the man don't let the man mayonnaise don't let the mayonnaise man a m-a-n-a-i-s-e that's like my southern i don't say like mayonnaise okay yeah another area that is a good one to think about and we've talked about many times is clothing and I I find that during the pandemic or just the last I don't know since the internet became a thing I I default to online shopping I don't have a lot of disposable time to go shop and so I'll do a lot of online shopping and I realize I end up doing a lot of returns and I think that going into a store trying on things I'm a lot more conscientious about how I spend my money knowing like how I feel in the moment versus like oh it's just as easy to go put this back on the rack versus oh this requires a return label or going to an actual store to do this when I could have just gone to the store in the first place to try on clothes or to buy an item and I'm trying to get myself into the habit of just if I need something go specifically look for that thing not just decide I'm going to go shopping because that's when you end up up with a lot of crap you don't need that you spend your money on. And so I've tried to 
reframe myself into shopping in stores, trying to find the stores that are a little better, which is harder because a lot of companies have closed their storefronts and gone primarily to the online marketplace. Yeah, and a lot of more sustainable brands also can't afford retail locations. They're smaller. They're they're not big enough and profitable enough to be able to afford a retail location. And so, you know, that makes it tricky. There's sometimes like conglomerates where there's, you know, retail store that sells a bunch of different sustainable brands and that's kind of their their focus and their shtick. Um, But, you know, clothing is a tricky one because clothing is one where, you know, I think about the progress over perfection, especially with kids' clothes. I think I've talked about this before of, you know, fast fashion, I try to avoid. But in kids' clothes, it's tough because they go through stuff. And, you know, I, I, I like I love Patagonia. I think it's a great it's a brand I feel good spending my money on. But I don't buy Patagonia for my little growing kids. Right now, will I invest in a Patagonia for one of my kids that's full grown. Yeah. And so it, there, there, it just goes back to to me, this is progress over perfection and also the quantity over quality. So I'm not perfect in the clothing category nowhere near perfect or where I could be if you want to call that perfect but I definitely am more conscientious about the quantity I'll bring into my life and I I should I should uh caveat that with perhaps compared to the average female I am very I don't shop nearly as much as the average female I now I might shop more than the average I don't know, person that would quote themselves as on fire or a minimalist or something. But I'm I'm still just I, I I guess my point is I just focus on less is more and that I'm not gonna be perfect in this particular category because it's it's a tough category to be perfect in. Yeah, and I am definitely not anywhere close to perfect with this, but trying to get in the less is more and I've tried to use the term shop my closet, like if I kind of feel restless with what I own half the time I'm like well there's probably something I haven't worn in a really long time that could make me happy again so instead of feeling like I need to go take care of that by shopping somewhere else I'm just gonna shop what I have just try to you know you do laundry and you put the same five shirts or five (laughs) pairs of pants or whatever that you have and they just keep ending up on top so that's when it's in your eye line you're like oh I I forgot I even had this which if you're forgetting you have clothes and that's me then you know maybe mix it up a little bit no I love the shop your closet concept and it's funny I'm I'm like really bad about laundry lately like there's something That feels like it is a mile away to go downstairs to the laundry room and retrieve my laundry or any of my children's laundry. And I will say a few times I I tend to rewear like like you said, like the same five shirts and the same, you know, couple hoodies and other things. And a few times there's been laundry downstairs and I've been like, oh, like I'm just going to wear what's here. You know, like my second tier of thing, because I was like, there's a lot of like lovely things up here still. I'm just looking for that one shirt that I wear every week and I don't need to. I have plenty of other shirts. And if I don't like those shirts, then perhaps now's a sign to get rid of them and which actually is a whole nother topic of like conscious decluttering I guess would be the word right like trying to make sure your stuff gets the right place which is more overwhelming of a concept than I can deal with today personally Erica but it's something to think about as you are thinking about this topic too I you don't have you can 
earmuff this if you don't want to think about it. But one thing I wanted to talk about with kids clothes specifically, something that the landlord does, which is good is, you know, kids like every year need a new winter coat. And we were buying them just wherever that's cheap and try to buy them a little big so they can stay in it for a while. And then like, that's just not quite working out because their kids are also like gross and dirty little beings. And so it's just, you know, you're like, I don't even want I don't even want you touching this, even though we've watched it so many times. But so something the landlord has started doing is like we have a lot of different like outdoor used gear clothes stores where you can go trade in things and then buy things that are like barely used because maybe someone bought another kid a jacket that they never wore and it still has the tags on or like snow boots or something like that. So we've been doing that with the kids and they had a blast doing that. Like they picked out something that I never thought they would pick out. My son picked the boy one picked out something that looked like an 80s ski jacket that was like, like it. it was awesome. And I'm like, Those I, styles are like back now too. But, but I like it's not something I would ever see in a store. So I'm like, where did this come from? Maybe this was my dad's ski jacket from the 80s. And somehow <laughs> the boy one ended up with it. But you know, it's it's just another way to not spend money, keep the life cycle of the product going. Because after they use the ones that they bought this year, I guarantee the landlord will be taking them right back to the same shop to sell them back and up upgrade for whatever size they need next so something to keep about yeah. keep in mind with yes. kids clothes because you can buy nicer quality things but you don't have to buy them firsthand or pass them along to a friend that was one of the best things we had with kids clothes yeah. is keeping them going as long as they're not grody dirty rags by the end of their wear they can go somewhere else yeah. and i mean sometimes you know it's, it's worth noting on on that example erica it takes more energy to be a conscious consumer, right? You you cannot do things, you cannot make decisions and purchases as fast as you can if you are mindlessly consuming like we talked about at the beginning. And I think that's a good thing, right? If anything that puts a moment of pause between us wanting something and pulling the trigger to buy it is a good thing because we'll stop, we'll think twice, do we even need this thing? We'll do a little bit of research, like spend some time doing some research on finding a good place to get used children's clothes in your community or used adult clothes, right? Like Poshmark's a great site for used outdoor brand items and a lot of stuff that you can like buy at REI. There's like a very good uh, market for on Poshmark. Our Facebook marketplace, people are always, our parent. it's like a parenting group. It's not the main marketplace. That's like a hot mess and there's a lot of fraud and scamsters. But we have ones, there's a bunch around my neighborhood that are made up of people that live in the community and people sell stuff for like great prices and it's like win-win on both ends. And so, but it takes a little bit more time and patience and energy to take that approach. But I think that is literally literally in the spirit of what being a more conscious consumer is, is that you need to be okay with the fact that you'll need to make some changes on how you spend money and how you kind of research and prep for spending money. Like I even just having this conversation, Erica, this is like something where, again, tied to minimalism, I, I like consider myself uh, you know, an aspiring, somewhat practicing conscious consumer. But when I really break down all my decisions day to day, I'm like, oh, am I really? And I want to start thinking more this year, like before I make a purchase, like, do I, like, who am I buying this from? Do I need it? Is there another avenue to get this? Is there, can I borrow it from somebody? Do I need to own it? Can I get it used? Who am I buying it from? Just, you know, all of these questions that again, will kind of put some space between me and that decision also, which just adds an additional benefit to it. Yeah, I like how the the space that you're referencing between you and the decision, that's where the conscious part comes in. And that's the most important part to this 
whole issue. Yeah. And it's hard to have that space when we're just frantically moving through our lives, which many of us are. I have the, you know, one of the benefits of being early retired is I have the gift of more time than I used to have and a little more space also, but I need to use it and practice it because it, it's not, doesn't just magically exist every day, right? Like I really have to consciously think about how I want to just think about where my money's going and what I'm bringing into my life. I'm excited for this because I really want to spend less money this year for various reasons. And I think this is, like I said, on that trifecta at the beginning, I'm not just doing this because of the money, but it's really great that it will also probably help me spend less money. Yeah, I think the thing that excites me about this is trying to put it into practice to model for my kids because they're at the age where they're starting to want things. They're earning an allowance. We're opening bank accounts for them. And they just want to spend their money on things. And it's mindless. Some of it is more conscious, but some of it is... Mostly it's mindless. And so I want to mostly mindless. So I want to set a good example in that regard of, you know, we don't have to spend money on things. We're trying to do more experiences. I think a lot of our money probably this year will be going to travel. And so trying to teach our kids that we can have the experiences and not the things. There might be some things that come with that, but, you know, enjoying more of the time, trying to teach the kids that like these things are short-lived too. There was something the other day that the girl one was begging for when we were walking through a store. And then later I asked her about it and she was like, huh? I was like, exactly. Like you don't... You've already you've already forgotten about it. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think incorporating this into open dialogue with our kids is critically important and and a great point, Erica, because all financial discussions and kind of transparency with our kids, I think, is incredibly helpful. And as my kids are getting older and they're, you know, a decent amount older, you know, a few years older than yours, I'm seeing the fruits of my labor of it not all the time you know they all have kind of different personalities and habits that I'm seeing emerge but I'm just seeing that they're very susceptible and open to what they see and hear us do with money and how we talk about it and with our youngest I'm like really working a lot with her lately on because she's like super quick she's got an abundance mindset first off, which I appreciate. Like, that's a great place to be coming from. I don't want her to have a scarcity mindset, but she's like very abundantly willing to spend my money or her money, but also thoughtful about it in some ways. But she'll get in the in the heart of like, they're now kind of the age where they can go off on outings with their friends kind of by themselves in a store for a minute. And I'm seeing like poor decisions being made. And, and then we're talking about them later, right? Not in like a, you know, giving her an overly hard time about it. But I just, I think we all have like a huge influence on our children in this area and not just our children. So if you don't have kids, it might be, you know, other family members and and other, other uh, adults that are kind of in your realm of influence. Um, But I think it's a great point that, that this is something that should be open dialogue with the other people that are around us as we're spending money. Yeah, we've talked about before I think you and I have talked about this with like even some people like to spend their money on fine dining while that's not everyone's preferred method and you know speaking up around this is not how I choose to spend my money yeah it doesn't align with my values going back to the conscious consumerism part like does it match your values no I'd rather spend my money you know on nourishing food it doesn't have to be like a Michelin star restaurant yeah and and so having the conversations with the people in your life because it can be there can be an expectation 
expectation of, well, we're all going to do this together. Everyone's pitching in. It's like, well, nope, you, you want to spend your money that way. That's not how I want to spend mine. And granted, (laughs) I do like spending my money like that sometimes, but I'm also perfectly happy to have a cheap burrito from the cart up the street. Yeah. And support a local business. And support a local business. It's funny. Greg and I were actually just a couple of days ago at one of our favorite vegan restaurants in Atlanta and we hadn't been to it in at least a year and it's it is a like legit small business I mean it look it looks like a hole in the wall but like the food is fantastic and it's it's been in Atlanta for a long time it's sole vegetarian in case anybody wants to go delicious delicious like barbecue mac and cheese collard greens all vegan and we were there and I was like man inflation it's just expensive like it was really expensive for what we had I mean it's delicious and Greg and I were discussing it and we were like yeah but we do like supporting a local vegan business we 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 want there to be more of them in Atlanta and so that is an example of conscious consumerism again it's expensive so we don't do it as often so it that's back to the sort of you know quality over quantity and less is more but I know you know my challenge to myself is to try to be a more conscious consumer going forward and I appreciate you initiating this topic Erica because every time I kind of die like even even when you said this I was kind of like oh I'm already a conscious consumer like but I'm not I mean again I'm aspiring there's so much more I could be doing and so I'm excited to just have this more top of mind for me. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too. And that's why I wanted to talk about this because I'm not there. You've talked about aspiring minimalism, aspiring to be a conscious consumer. And that's why I want to keep talking about this to hold myself accountable. And sometimes being a conscious consumer can also just mean not spending money, not doing it at all. And I think that could be that could be really helpful for me and my takeaway, you know, just like maybe I don't want this at all. You know, yeah, maybe that's, that's a great I point. get the dopamine hit from saving the money and knowing that I was able to walk away from wanting to make some sort of purchase or buying lunch out when I just went grocery shopping, you know, just having the time to sit and think, nope, it's okay. And, and feeling comfortable with that decision. And also like if I do spend my money on something, I want to feel excited about it. Not like, oh, why did I do that again? I don't want yeah. the regret and the shame and the remorse that comes with it. And so I think being able to do it consciously will help us, me, whomever, to feel good in the decisions that we do ultimately make on how we want to spend our money and enjoy it to the fullest. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that's a good point for us to wrap up on. Anything you want to add, though, before we wrap up? I would like to plug a sock brand if we're talking about buying (laughs) sustainable brands. I I'm, I know everyone has probably most people have heard of the brand Bombus at this point. You buy socks and then they donate socks to local homeless communities because that's the one clothing item that is most needed. I think socks and underwear, but socks specifically. And I've had the Bombus socks are not cheap, but I've had mine for like seven or eight years and they are going strong. And I pulled out a pair this morning to put on and I was like, God, you guys are just the gift that keep on giving. Like I just keep putting you on my feet. They're still just as thick and fluffy as they were. I wear them to work out. I wear them just to be cozy in and highly recommend that brand. They're worth spending the money on even though they're expensive at first because they will keep lasting. I have six pairs and I've never gotten rid of one of them. See, I used to love Bombas. We both, we all, we all got them like into them around the same time a long time ago. Like all of our friends and I, we, we got a thing for bees. If we ever shared that we have matching bee tattoos, Erica? I think you shared that like immediately. And yes, actually, oh. I bought y'all the Bombas socks for one of our group trips. I knew that. I was just going to say that. I, right? I could tell I that's that. where you were going. Your memory is so good. <laughs> 
so good. I didn't know that, just to be clear, guys. But it sound it tracks right. That definitely makes sense that you would have brought those socks. Uh, I bring Gooder sunglasses to group trips. One, one. I have no idea if that's a good company now that I think about it, though. But I like Blagas. They always like they're. I just like they're not my thing lately. Uh, sorry, I like Bombas. They're just not Did you my say thing Legos? lately. I'm obsessed with Belega socks. Oh yeah. Now I was like trying to search for them on Open Secrets. I'm not finding any intel, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go like learn more about their socks and Ooh, fig- you know just pride sock. figure out on Bombas or Belega. On Belega on Zappos, should we get some? Oh well, the fact that they even make pride socks tells me that like something that I want to know about the company so that's good but my point is I don't know we're we're getting off track about socks here but it's a good example okay so we don't go down any more sock holes is that good can I say that yeah yeah so we don't go down any more sock holes they and no no no, conscious I I want you to stop and take a beat before you make this purchase Erica you can't sit there and make it right now let's wrap this episode up I know. There are only six mediums left, Maggie. Yeah, no, they'll be fine. They'll make more. Okay. On that note, we're going to wrap this episode up. We, oh, hey, actually, you know what? One way you could be a conscious consumer is if you really want to help the Inside Out Money podcast, which just to remind you guys, does not have any ads, is a free podcast provided to you every week. It is super helpful if you would go and leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the podcast overall or of this episode. It's really helpful to get positive reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you didn't love anything about this podcast or episode, I love hearing your feedback, especially if it's constructive. You can always send me a voicemail or text us at 404-981-3370 with any of that feedback, or you can also hit me up on Instagram. And yeah, we appreciate you all listening. And we hope that this is thought provoking and perhaps kicks off a bit more of a conscious consumer year for you. Or makes you more of a conscious consumer this year? Inspires? Yeah, inspires conscious Whatever consumerism. Like to... Yeah, I mean, this is a good time to start doing Here it. We go. It's January. And uh, let's, see how, yeah. let's see how we do throughout the year. Yeah. I mean, I will say we cut this out of the recording, but Erica just tried to buy something during this episode. And I had to stop her and say, like, let's be more conscious about this. I'm not saying don't buy what she wants to buy. But I was like, let's just put a beat between the... I could hear you. You were, like, counting how many pairs you needed and you were, like, about to, like, make a purchase. I appreciate the accountability. I'm your accountability buddy. Yeah, you're my accountability buddy. And one thing I'm going to do, I'll leave this... I am trying to any sort of sites that auto save your passwords. I'm going to immediately sign myself out of those things as like a checks and balances for myself. Extra, like an extra barrier to entry of. Yeah. So that it makes it more conscientious and conscious instead of mindless. Yeah. That's a good, again, anything that puts some space between you and that decision is a good thing. I should probably just smash my phone and throw my laptop against the wall. You should probably just get rid of your laptop. Yeah. We should just go live off grid in the middle of nowhere. I would love that. So we we can continue this conversation. Okay. Well, that'll be our next podcast episode. Live from... Maggie and Erica living off-grid together so they don't shop. Live from the middle of Oregon, off-grid. Because Oregon would be like a good place to live Mm off-grid, right? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't be alone. We could caulk the wagon for the river. Okay, all right. (laughs) You go into Oregon Trail? I like it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Maggie. Bye. Bye. Sorry, that sounded real hussy. No, do it again. Give me another bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.